Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Ask Gabrielle, a weekly podcast from This Much I Know with Gabrielle Rifkind, a renowned psychotherapist who's been practicing for over 30 years. I'm Sarah, your host for this week, and I'm a news and culture journalist at This Much I Know. Now, we've started this podcast in order to help people navigate this very tricky emotional period we're going through and in the face of this pandemic. And some of the topics we've already covered are navigating new relationship dynamics, missing loved ones, or simply learning how to switch off. And for this week, we'd like to focus on a particularly pertinent issue, which I know is facing many people across the UK and across the world, in fact, and that is unemployment. So, Gabrielle, hello. Hello to you and everybody who's listening. And thank you once again so much for taking the time to join us and impart your wisdom and help our readers through this, to use a very overused term, unprecedented time. Um, I've been listening keenly to your conversations with my colleagues and I've really honestly found it so incredibly useful um, and like a bit of a, a, a handhold through, through this really difficult time. That's lovely and I hope I can continue to do that. I, you know, I think we can both agree this is a really crucial topic right now. As we're all too painfully aware, the pandemic's not only had an impact on people's health, but but also our economy. And just to look a little bit at, at the stats out there, the numbers claiming unemployment benefits in the UK soared to 2.1 million in April, uh, as a few day of a few days ago. 8.4 million were on the government furlough scheme, which is now going to end in October. But there are lots of people concerned that they might not have a job to return to even when that ends. There's also evidence to suggest that it's the young who are most likely to be affected with a quarter of 18 to 24 year olds having been furloughed, 9% have already lost their jobs and it's also looking like job vacancies might fall. Now that all does sound a bit bleak but as ever here at TMIK we want to tackle the issue head on and focus you know on some practical ways people can cope and perhaps see the the positive in the situation and and look forward with some optimism. Um, So first, I think maybe just to kick off our discussion, I was thinking we could take a bit of a step back and look at the importance that work plays in our lives. You know, it might seem crass in some ways to talk about work, jobs, the economy, when people's lives and health are at stake, but there's no getting away from the fact that work is integral to people's lives, not only in that practical sense of providing an income and stability, but also for a sense of self. Um, It can give you a sense of purpose and it's very much wrapped up in our sense of identity. So over to you, Gabrielle, what what is it about work and a job that, that is so integral to who we are and to our mental health? Yes, well, you're completely right. Um, work is part of our identity and who we are. Um, and just as you say, at a very practical level, it, it shapes what our day, week looks like. Um, we have a structure. We don't even have to question what we have to do. We know we go to work. We get on the bus or train at eight in the morning and we don't have to go into how should I spend my time what will I do but I suppose at a practical level for many people it's it's a reality that it's giving you an income which is all part of our safety and security so there's the obvious concern about money for many people which 
and whilst the government will step in, it might well require a, a significant loss of earnings. So of course, that's tough. But I think that it's so much beyond that, isn't it? The way we define ourselves. People often say to us, what do you do? And it sort of means at the same time, who are you? And we tend to have this almost like our primary identity. And of course, we could think that we had multiple identities and lots of different ways of defining ourselves. But we can almost from the first interaction um, have a sort of self-consciousness about how we define ourselves in the world. And, you know, it makes us sort of know who we are, whether we're being useful, um, whether we have some relevance, are we doing something of meaning? Some people will relate it to how much money they earn. Now, I will talk about it later, the idea that we could still do work that's not necessarily just attached to that. But I think primarily, it's we live in a culture where work tells us who we are. Yeah, I think that's, that's absolutely true. And I, I think it's particularly true in the UK. I, I feel like when you go abroad, perhaps people don't put as much emphasis on what you do in terms of that defining who you are. My partner's from Spain and I feel like they're the, you know, what you do is something just that enables you to enjoy your life as opposed to it being so, so crucial. Yes, no, I, I, you're absolutely right. I think Spain's an excellent example of that where people are, see their identity much more in terms of the family, their responsibilities to each other, food, a much kind of more interesting construction of identity, um, which is much more closely attached to a way of life. Um, I've actually got a colleague who's writing a book about Spanish identity and how they're going to be on the surge because they know how to have this much more holistic way of life. Yeah, so I think there's a lot, a lot we can learn from from other cultures in that respect. Now. Coming to perhaps a more practical point, you know, going through the journey of discovering that you've been let go from your job, um, putting ourselves in the shoes of of one of those people, you know, obviously it's bad news to receive at any time, but it could be particularly difficult if you're if it's coming on top of other concerns about your loved one's health or your financial situation. So what can you give us some perhaps some practical tips about how to cope in that initial moment of receiving that bad news? Yes. I mean, I think it's really hard whatever without all the additional demands that are placed on you. And, you know, I, th- I think the first response is, is a whole set of emotions that sort of race through our body. Some people might feel quite angry. Um, some people might feel quite humiliated or some people might even respond in quite a feeling a sort of almost like oh, apathy or, oh, this is so awful. Um, and, they, you know, they, they are like bodily sensations. I think, if possible, try to contain those emotions in the first place because, particularly in this culture, the person who's going to make you redundant is probably the last thing in the world they actually want to do um, but are now locked in a corner. Now, I'm not saying feel empathy for them because it's really tough for you, but but actually 
how can we manage it in a way that later we don't wish that we hadn't sort of had a whole surge of emotions and and, and possibly shut the door on any future relationship because it could be this is a temporary thing. And so at that moment, we might wish to manage ourselves in a way that leaves the door open. And I guess um, moving on to the next question, it would be related to that is maybe that initial instinct is to question why me? I mean, even if we might know that there's lots of people out there who are going to be in a similar situation, it's so, so difficult not to take it personally, not to see it as a failure and kind of harking back to what we mentioned there at the beginning about it being linked with your identity. So how can we perhaps try and reframe this in our own minds as not seeing it as rejection or personal failure, but actually something that, you know, it comes down to business, it comes down to finances. And this is just one of those things that happens and a hurdle we need to overcome. Yeah, it's it's complicated, isn't it? Because I think our first instincts are often either to blame ourselves and think, why did they choose me? Like you said, am I less good than the other people? Um, uh, have I in some way failed? Or if we don't blame ourselves, we blame somebody else. And there's a kind of pendulum that swings in between these two positions. And so much harder to just sort of look and realize this is really happening to huge numbers of people. And it is completely beyond our control. Um, but that that demands that we almost reach a sort of rational calculation, which we don't do when we feel so vulnerable. And I think added to the issue of obviously being made redundant is the current circumstances we're in. I, you know, people are more likely to be away from colleagues, away from family. I know for myself, I've worked in many different sort of circumstances. I've been in a office of 700 people when I worked in the civil service. I've worked by myself completely from home for three years as a freelancer. And something that really struck me is how much I knew for myself, I needed those people around me. Um, so if something does go wrong with work, I found it much more easy if I can bounce off a colleague, you know, get some advice immediately and, and not feel quite so alone. So I, I do see that for circumstances for people right now are going to make this that bit more challenging. So what might be some good ways we can make sure we reach out to others um, around us so we, we don't feel quite so alone? And I guess conversely, if we do know other people um, who have been made redundant, how can we make sure they're okay, even if perhaps not able to see them face to face? I think why it matters what you're saying is if we are le left alone with ourselves, we have these circular thoughts that go round and round in our head and we can become quite persecutory to ourselves um, and give ourselves a very hard time. So what we need to do in some way is to break this circuit. And the way we do it is with trusted relationships. And I think if we are made unemployed, what we might want to do is just sort of um, retreat either into our bedrooms or into a sulky silence or certainly disconnect. And one of the reasons for that is we also might be struggling with shame. Now, 
There's no need to feel this, but it doesn't mean people don't go to it, particularly when they get into self-blame. And they begin telling themselves stories that often, we all do, have little to do with reality, but it becomes a way to distort things and have an attack on ourselves. So what can we do? I think the most important thing is to reach out. But when you do, it's best to reach out to people whose judgment you trust and who you think will give you measured advice. And we can have friends who make us feel worse. They wind us up um, or they join us in saying how terrible it is. Now, we do want people definitely to understand our experience and to show, be attuned and to listen very carefully. But we also want to make sure that we don't have, we don't reach out to someone who drags us down and makes us feel worse, that we can reach out to someone who who we actually, not, not who will be sort of trying to give us some false joviality because that doesn't work either and can make us feel much, much worse. Um, but so, so we need to reach out. Uh, but we also make, need to make sure that we don't get too trapped in feeling too victim-like. Because in fact, I'm sure you all know, or I know, if you whinge too much, people will in the end get fed up. So you kind of have to devise a relationship of some reciprocity. It might be quite useful over time to work with someone who's in a similar position. And how can you support and encourage and build a relationship together to make a transition back into the world of work if that's what you want to do at that moment? Yeah, I think that that raises some really crucial points for me there because I think Something I, I suffered perhaps mostly when, when I was freelancing is this kind of comparison with other people. And I think that, you know, we need to be aware of that both in the way we present ourselves on social media and also we talk to our friends. Um, but it's something you also have to take responsibility for your, for yourself and, and, and not have that feeling of victimization, um, and not kind of sort of, you know, channel too much inward, um, because it can really, make you feel quite down or anxious or depressed. Um, and I think that's something that's difficult. Definitely in our day and age with social media, it can seem like everyone is doing so well and, and you're the only one that seems to be to be failing in a sense. I think that's an incredibly important point. Um, we can get into comparisons and we can almost get these profound feelings of envy and you social media presents always images of the of people looking like they're having a wonderful time even if they don't <laughs> and actually real relationships give us the complexity of people's lives and what's really happening so the more we disconnect the more we can also feed almost a delusional space that everybody else is having a wonderful time and it's just us and it's mythical it's not true and it's not like that and then in terms of kind of moving on, you know, how can people regroup and perhaps even, it might sound ridiculous, but actually see a positive in this? Because, you know, how can we actually see that we can have a bit of a fresh start? Maybe you could use this as an opportunity to take a bit of a career hiatus, retrain in something, um, maybe follow something that, that you really love doing and you haven't been able to do in the past. I mean, obviously, it is it is hard to kind of have 
shift your way of thinking to to be so optimistic but there could be some some great opportunities out there and you know maybe if you not wanted to sort of take the plunge or be so bold as to quit your last job now this could be a great opportunity yes it could if you're not feeling too anxious and I suppose the anxiety will partly be have I got enough money to manage um But then you can have enough money and still be very anxious. And so you're talking about how do you create a space to to think and allow yourself to think about new opportunities? And how can you develop yourself more? How can you take it as a protected time? And, And you're right. You know, some people might choose to learn Spanish or Chinese Or someone else might think, well, I always did want to learn to throw pots or learn to draw. How can I actually allow this space to be a creative space and really become an opportunity to um, develop a side of myself? And I think also that's about not getting caught in the belief that this is to carry some sense of hope for the future. Because this is a phase, this is transitional, there are going to be opportunities again. And it's possible to feel this overwhelming bleakness as if, as it is now, is actually how it's going to be. So, but at the same time, maybe we don't want to go back to exactly as our lives were. Maybe it's an opportunity to develop something. But of course, this depends on our life. I've heard people say, that they feel they can have reflective time. And some people feel so overwhelmed and overdosed and and managing so many things simultaneously, it almost sounds insensitive to say that. So it depends about how far is it possible really to allow yourself a reflective space to consider if you want to make some slight detours in your life to improve its quality. Yeah, I think so. And I think... Also, it's perhaps, you know, shifting your perspective slightly away from this traditional idea that your career trajectory should be something very linear. I mean, mine hasn't been at all. I graduated into a recession. I, you know, quit my job at one point to follow something completely different. And at the time, they felt like bumps in the road or or huge challenges. But in retrospect, I feel it's made my career and, and, and made me who I am. So it's understanding that you know you don't need to have just followed one thing in order to have progressed or achieved something and actually you know sometimes these yes no no I think I think that's a lovely example because uh, I think your generation live much more with portfolio careers and not the idea that that it's a, a linear trajectory and that that one can have sort of multiple parts of oneself that one develops. Um, and what one of the areas I was thinking about is, again, you know, it, some people can only work for money, but then other people have more choices. And one of the things that's happened is this huge surge in volunteering that's going on where people are giving a huge amount back to the community. And I think getting... A great deal from it because of reciprocity and and so it's an opportunity to possibly develop other sides of ourselves 
to maybe put more into our relationships, to take better care of them, to think about our creative self-expression. You know, I've heard people talking about, well, this is going to be my opportunity where I really start writing. Or, um, you know, I always did want to pursue that identity as a as an artist. And, and there are always reasons not to do it. And one of the things I think is important is what choices you make. And particularly if you're choosing something, uh, I don't know, it's like like if you think, I really want to test out um, how far I can develop my sense as an artist. I would say treat it like work. Tra- take it incredibly seriously. Don't wait for moments of inspiration. Um, I've worked with quite a lot of people as a psychotherapist who come to see me when they're exploring their creativity. And they are always waiting for the moment of inspiration. And I actually think that's a bit of a trap. What you really need to do is treat it like a job. If you really want to start um, exploring a part of yourself, sit at your desk, nine till five, nine till six or whatever, and push something that you've always wanted to do, whether it's that novel you want to write or that language you didn't learn. Um, Take yourself very seriously and don't assume that everything you do or seriousness has only to do with how much you're paid. Well, that's been absolutely fascinating. I think we've run out of time now, but it's been absolutely wonderful to speak to you and we really appreciate you taking the time once again to to share your wisdom with us and I do hope listeners out there have found that useful um, as ever do get in touch with us and share your views and experiences um, if you found today's advice useful or if you have any additional questions if you have liked this episode we'd love for you to review us and uh, we've been this much i know you can find us on instagram at thismuchiknow.news and where you can download our app for free we're all about encouraging more healthy conversations around the news as well as the positive action which i think we can all agree is needed now more than ever so thanks gabrielle until next time <laughs>